Heaven is. Talking about heaven tonight. And uh, the topic of our discussion is mountains, cities, and heavens. Did you know there's more than one heaven? There is. We're going to talk about all of them. Now, for the sake of our discussion to begin, what I'd like to do is invite you to jump in. What, when we talk about heaven, what is heaven to you? It can be weird, it can be way back when you were a kid. What is heaven to you? Streets of gold. So we're going to talk about gold, streets, okay? Eternal, absolute. Eternal. What else? Well, huh? No pain, no sorrow, great. Okay, what else? Worship. Reward. Hmm. Angels. Okay. <laughs> you hear him? He said angels, and I said angels, and he said, yeah. <laughs> I think he's going to be there. I have confidence in you, man. <laughs> small house <laughs> all right angels and someone else said something i missed joy great what else these are great huh home mm. mansions this guy just so you know he's in weird real estate so that's why i said that <laughs> you don't have to remodel these they're good, as is. What else? Anything else? That's a lot. Peace? Okay. Safety? Okay. Jesus. There you go. I hope so the light because it'd be really dark right that's the light any others a couple more this is good what is it crystal sea absolutely absolutely one more who's gonna be last una mas that's spanish for one more by the way i know this isn't the espanol bible study but Holy of Holies. That's a hard one to write at the bottom. Okay. Can I be honest with you? When I was a kid, and I would hear teaching on heaven, it didn't excite me. I was like, that doesn't sound fun. Because when I would hear teaching on heaven... Daddy, you want to be in a real Bible study, you stay in here. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't tell Donna I said that. <laughs> okay. I, it didn't excite me, and here's why. Because they would talk about the scene around the throne. Then they would talk about these weird creatures. 
and then the elders, and then they would talk about the, the holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who they worship all day at the throne, and, and the preacher, a lot of times my dad, would be really excited talking about, and we are going to get to worship for all of eternity, and I'm sitting there going, oh, I mean, I, that just didn't excite me. Now, you have to understand, I'm a kid, so I didn't worry about bills, so streets of gold didn't excite me. The, the peace, I had peace, because what I got to worry about? My, kid, my, my parents pay for everything. I just run around trying not to get in trouble, not really. But anyway, many of the attributes that we mentioned just now as a child didn't excite me. As a matter of fact, it sounded boring to me. Because as a, as a kid now, I'm sitting through the worship service and I can't wait to go to kids' church. Right? Uh, you know, are we sing, really singing this again? And I didn't know it was called a bridge, but those songs that had bridges that would go back to the bridge over and over and over again, I'd be just standing there and ready for the next song and to go back to the bridge like, is this ever going to end? And people are just being ministered to and kneeling and crying and the Holy Spirit's doing a work on them. And yet I did not have that type of relationship yet with the Lord where I had truly experienced in my mind what that worship that's described in heaven would feel like. However, later in my life, I've had moments and, of course, now, that there's nothing sweeter than being in the presence of the Lord. Do we have to stop praying? Do we have to stop singing? Do we have to move on? Like tonight, we had a great time of worship, and I was nervous halfway through the third song because I know these teachers are ready to go. And I'm thinking, man, we really, it's going off tonight. This is awesome. We could just stay right here. Like, no, I got to let these teachers teach. Anybody else relate to the idea of heaven being a somewhat, not just hard to grasp, but somewhat challenging to be excited about at some point in your life. Anyone? Even in your adult life, is, is, is this applied? I'm engaged. I'm going to get married. The idea that Jesus could come back at any moment. As closer as the wedding date comes, I'm kind of thinking, you know what, Lord, we're good for at least about six more months here. Give me, give me some time. <laughs> to, and I'm getting ready to have my first child. Now I've got my first grandbaby. There is a lot of wonderful things in this life that God allows us to experience. But it's just a shadow of what we will experience. Amen? Even the idea, and you, you find newlyweds that are so lovey-dovey, and then they begin to realize that, that there's no marriage in heaven. What? You mean we won't be married in heaven? Oh, I can't live without you, honey. Right? <laughs> this concept. <laughs> but it's hard for us to grasp because that's the only deep relationship that we can attribute that feeling to, that Intimacy that comes from a husband and a wife loving one another the way that God designed it. But we need to understand, and this is the part that I think um, 
if I could be honest, for the men's side of the room, it's hard for us to grasp that we are the bride of Christ and that we will be united in that way to him spiritually, right? Connected when we are in heaven, that's our deepest relationship to Jesus, right? However, we have, I, I, this, might, this might throw you off a little bit. Did you know you'll know your spouse even greater in heaven than you do now? You'll have a greater understanding, connection, knowledge in heaven than you do now. And that applies to every relationship. So my dad's in heaven. I knew my dad here, love my dad here. But I will know him even greater, more, better, all those words, in heaven. That's hard to grasp, isn't it? Let's talk about mountains, cities, and heavens. Let me get my glasses. By the way, anything happen interesting this week to anybody? Thought I'd ask. Something happened to me eight days ago. I have a, I have a, um, yeah, I have a few. I have a few. How wonderful. I was just thinking, I know I'm, get, I'm getting off topic because it's not on my notes, but, but let's talk. Are there babies in heaven? Uh, there are? Are you sure? Who's watching it? Some nursery workers, sign up. Now. It's going to be a big old nursery right there. So, okay. And, I, and this is not, I'm not, we won't look down on you if you get this wrong in public. But there is a sense, at least we, it comforts us, that especially when a tragedy strikes, right? Now, I'm not saying that person, that soul, that spirit is not in heaven. But what I am saying is I have a hard time grasping, and I don't see it in Scripture, because when we talk about glorified body and we talk about heaven and we're given a new body, and this one's just a tent, because if there's babies in heaven, then grandpa that died when he was sick still looks like grandpa there. You with me? Something happens when we're translated from here to there. Our bodies become different somehow. So if it's a baby, then it would... Makes sense that the baby in heaven has a baby's mind, you with me, and doesn't walk or talk, and so I'm having a hard time grasping a baby living in a mansion unsupervised. Are you with me on that one? <laughs> so I think it's okay for us to, there's nothing wrong with us saying, my baby's in heaven, right? Because that's, that's okay. That's a comfort thing. But what I'm telling you is, I don't think that's what it looks like. The pictures, the little memes where we see 
you know, Jesus holding the babies and different things. I, I, that's not biblically correct. I made Karen mad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Karen can't see at night. God bless you, Karen. Love you. Be safe. <laughs> Told her I was going to make fun of her when she left. Um, I, I, I'm going to make people even madder with this one. There, there's no cats in heaven. And there's only one breed of dog. It's a wiener dog. And I'm telling you, that's it. That's all. That's <laughs> I know there's no cats. That's for sure. I know where they are. <laughs> Let's get back on topic before I get in trouble. You guys understand what I'm saying, though. I'm not being heretical or blasphemous. The fact that there is a glorified body that's given to us that is substantially different. It is one that is mature enough to connect with Christ because that's what we'll be doing in heaven. Are you with me? So, let's get into mountains of the Lord. Exodus chapter 3. There's different mountains we're going to look at. Now, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to draw a contrast to the mountains that we see here historically and the mountains that will be in heaven or the mountains the progression that starts with the lowest point so to speak and grows into what the bible shows is the heavenly mountain uh, first of all the mountains of the lord the first thing we look at is mount horeb and uh Mount Horeb, and Sinai. Did I spell Sinai right? You don't know anyway. Yeah, I did. All right. Mount Horeb in Exodus chapter 3, this is the, I don't have a lot of time, but I'll, I'll try to um, break it down for you, that Mount Horeb is the place where Moses saw the burning bush. The presence of God was there. Moses was walking along, taking care of his flock. And then he saw a bush that was burning but not consumed. He walked over to see it. God said, take off your sandals. This is holy ground. This is a mountain where God's presence was there, Mount Horeb. Now, what's cool about this mountain is who was there at the burning bush? God and who? Moses. What may be a revelation to many of us is the fact that Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are the same mountain. Geographically, historically, and other scriptural references use these two mountains interchangeably. Now, the reason why that's cool to me and probably to you after I tell you is that you see the progression of Moses being called and then Moses fulfilling his call on the same mountain. Isn't that cool? The same mountain where God was in the bush in Exodus 20 was the same mountain where, guess what? God was to give the Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai. Now, here's the thing. Here's the side note for us. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about moving along our path in this life. A lot of times, we find ourselves at Mount Horeb and immediately are frustrated because we haven't experienced Mount Sinai. In other words, we feel like God's called us to something. 
but it hadn't happened yet. So for Moses, think of everything that he had to go through before he experienced Sinai. He experienced God in a bush, in essence, calling him and correcting him. Because if you remember that interaction, God says, I'm calling you to do this. Moses says, you picked the wrong guy. God says, no, I didn't. Uh, what is in your hand? And he looked at his staff and the whole story. He kind of corrected him and, and, and said, you're going to go do this for me. You're going to obey. Moses did. The second time Moses is on the mountain, he sees God. He, he is with, not, it's not in the bush. God is with Moses on the mountain, so much so that he's glowing. He's illuminated with the presence of God. Now, I want to encourage you with this. Don't let the distance between Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai discourage you. It took 40, no. I'm not sure the exact amount, but it took many, many years of this experience for him to get from here to there. Then, we look at Mount Moriah. Another mountain that was used at Mount Moriah, Genesis chapter 22, we see Abraham and Isaac. I'm going somewhere. Hopefully you're going with me. Genesis chapter 22. Abraham is called to bring his son Isaac to the mountain to sacrifice him. We know the story. He's brought there. He is going to follow through with it. He has the obedience and the faith, and then the angel stops him at the last minute. It is a foreshadowing of the heavenly father giving his only son, right? We agree with all that. Did you also know that archaeologists have discovered that Mount Moriah and Golgotha are the same? Isn't that cool? So we see Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai, two different names but one mountain, being the same, accomplishing that, person for, that purpose for Moses. Now we see Jesus being sacrificed on the very mountain that Isaac was brought before to be sacrificed by Abraham. No one thinks that's cool? I have one person. Did you all hear this before? Because I don't want to bore you with the study. Mount Zion. By the way, you can't sign up for any of the other classes because they're all locked. <laughs> so you can't leave in the middle of the study tonight and go in there. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> all right. Finally, we come to the mountain of God. All right, I'm going to stretch your brains right here. The mountain of God, anybody know what it is called? Zion, Zion, the mountain of God. Now, Mount Zion is described in Isaiah chapter 60. Um, that's what we're going to talk about, how cool it is. Let me go find it. Isaiah 60, here we go. This is talking about the mountain of God. Now, Mount Zion 
is also in Jerusalem. It's the location of the first and second temple, and it is said to be the future location of uh, even the new Jerusalem as well. But here's what I want you to see. In Isaiah chapter 60, uh, the prophet Isaiah writes about the future glory of Jerusalem, uh, beginning in verse 3. Actually, beginning in verse 1, chapter 60. Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. This is talking about New Jerusalem, talking about Zion, the mountain of the Lord, talking about heaven in essence. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see for everyone is coming home. Your sons are, are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine. Your heart will thrill you with joy. This is what I want you to see. For merchants from around the world will come to you. They will bring you the wealth of many lands Vast caravans of camels will, co will converge on you and camels of Midian and Ephah. The people of Sheba will bring gold and frankincense and will come worshiping the Lord. The flocks of Kedar will be given to you. The rams of Neboeth will be brought from my altars. I will accept their offerings. I will make my temple glorious. And what do I see flying in the clouds to Israel like doves in their nest? They are ships from the ends of the earth from lands that trust in me led by the great ships of Tarshish. They are bringing the people of Israel home far away, carrying silver and gold. They will honor the Lord their God, Holy One of Israel, for he is filled with splendor. Now, Zion, heaven, New Jerusalem. Let's talk about some things. Travel, trade, transit. <laughs> I've often thought, based on studying the glorified body of Jesus, how he could transport and be in other places at other times without physically traveling, right? That he could kind of, in essence, float through walls and be there because the door was locked and then he appears. And, and so the physics and the physiological body, body of the glorified body is different. We all agree with that, right? However, just because you can be somewhere without traveling does that mean that's what you're always going to do? Picture heaven for just a moment. Billions of Christians that have made it. What if we all decided that we would just appear places without traveling? Can I just say that would be chaos? <laughs> no one knows where anybody is at any time, right? It, it, I'm just picturing it. Now, what I'm saying to you is travel, New Jerusalem, this says through the prophet that people will be coming from all over the world to New Jerusalem, which means, we've talked about this before, New Jerusalem is the city, but that doesn't mean that's the only place where people are. You with me? Because the Bible says that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And part of that is the New Jerusalem, the city, the capital city, the city where the light shines all the time. 
but did you know that we still have a new earth that's beyond the new city? Right? So, I would argue, or I tend to believe, that if Isaiah says there's travel to New Jerusalem, then that kind of makes me excited of the activity that we get to do on the other side of this life in eternity. It just got a whole lot more unboring for me. I mean, can we be honest? What if I were to tell you that when you get to heaven, you have to go to church and you never get to leave? Now, I know greater life is a wonderful place, but I'm telling you, I'm not staying. And like, I need to get out of here for a minute, right? I think this is saying that not only will we be able to travel, but trade. There's going to be an economy in heaven. Why else would Jesus tell the apostles that they will rule and reign with him, that they will be given jobs to supervise? Why else does the scripture say that we will judge angels in heaven? Because we're going to be doing the work of the kingdom of heaven. You with me? Remember, we've separated these two things out. The kingdom of heaven is a real place. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. And in eternity, those two become married together. The real place kingdom of God is now one. Now, here's the other cool part. Transit. I just read here that there are ships coming from all over the earth. Which tells me that there will be cruises available. It, it sounds silly, but it reads true. I'll put it to you this way. You can watch a movie on your phone. You can watch that same movie on the TV. But when you really want to have the experience, you go to the theater. Right? You can from here to there. You can walk from here to there. But sometimes you want to ride a train and take it in. You want to ride a ship and take it in. Sometimes you want to drive. What all of us as parents used to tell our kids, right? The fun part is getting there, which is a lie. It is one of the biggest lies that we've told our children. This is horrible. If this is the fun part, I don't want to go anymore. This is terrible. But at the end of the day, guys, can we be honest? I'm picturing heaven in a very different way when I read this passage about Zion. That there's transit, that there's travel, that there's work, that there's activity, there's bustling going on. Why would they need a street of gold if you didn't use the street? Right? What are streets used for? Travel. I mean, yeah, there's a street of gold there, but nobody ever gets on it. They just... There's a movie I saw once where they would use that sound effect when people would disappear. I don't remember what it was. So that's Mount Zion. Um, let, I mean, let's, let's talk about it. Anybody else have any observations or something that's jumping in your head about this? Does it make anybody else excited but me? Because guess what? Worship is not just an activity. 
It's an attitude. Right? Worship is something that we will be doing in a constant manner because guess what? Everything we see is no longer cursed by the fall of sin. It's what God intentionally created and intentionally intended at the beginning. So when we look at a leaf and a tree and a mountain and a, and a river, we're going to go, whoa, Jesus, <laughs> this is amazing, right? All right, cities of the Lord. Here we go, cities of the Lord. Bethlehem, city of David. It's the birthplace of our Savior, historically known for being unknown. Bethlehem, only because we all have heard the Christmas story dozens of times, we know exactly what the city of David is, Bethlehem. But most biblical scholars, and, and as you look through it, even, um, even the disciples and, and the people that Jesus came in contact with, Bethlehem was this place that it was just a blip on the screen. It was something you would pass through. It wasn't a, 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 a location to be desired. And yet we see the city of the Lord. What made it special was the fact of who was born there. It was the city of David and then the city in which Jesus Christ would be born. Bonus teaching for you tonight. What this shows me It doesn't matter who you are as much as what is birthed from you. Bethlehem was just an unimportant city. But what made it important is that Jesus was born there. So I'll tell you this. You may feel unimportant, but God can birth something in you that will be really powerful. Amen? It has nothing to do with the lesson, but I like it. Maybe God just gave me that for me. Samaria. Another city, Samaria. And we're, we're moving along this line, if you can see, uh, less importance and different things like that all the way to New Jerusalem. Samaria is a city that's related to heresy, idolatry. It was the second capital or the capital of Judah as opposed to Jerusalem being the capital of Israel. Samaria by the time Jesus showed up, was this city where everybody that worshipped there worshipped in their own way. In other words, they took pieces of what God had intended and their own stuff and merged them together to create this blasphemous type of religion. Now, Jesus went to the see the Samaritan woman because he wanted to set the record straight. And revival broke out. We also see the city of Jerusalem, which is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 14, 18, as Melchizedek comes from the city of Salem, the king of Salem, place of great peace. Jerusalem was a city of great, still is, great contention, always tension. That's our city. That's our city. We should have the full rights. You know, the Middle East is all about Jerusalem, Right? And great blessing. It's hard for me to imagine in at least just thinking about it that how could there be so much value in the dirt? Because it's not about the dirt. It's about what God says about the dirt. And that's his city. 
And for whatever reason, God in his sovereignty has ordained that place to be special among any other place. Now, did you know that Jerusalem is the geographical center of the world? When you start looking at all these graphs and, and uh, what do they call the lines? Latitude, longitude, all that. Jerusalem finds itself at the very center. It's the epicenter of the world. It's almost like God made the world and intended for that to be that way. Very cool. The New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem. I, I don't think we have time to read through it. It's in Revelation chapter 21. It talks about all these cool things. But hey, let, me, let me talk to you how, about big, how big the new, new Jerusalem city is. We've done this exercise before. I'm doing it differently this time. The land mass in the world is currently 200 million square miles. Okay? Should I write it down? Thank you. You're making me feel like I'm earning my money tonight. The, the board will still allow me to serve in this capacity. 200 million square miles. Okay? That's the, that's the earth. <laughs> okay now new jerusalem is a cube being a cube it's 1400 miles every direction right now on the ground floor new jerusalem is 2.2 million square miles that's the ground floor compared to the total square miles of the earth but here's where it gets good north carolina is 53,000 square miles new jerusalem in one level and i'm talking about levels because we're going somewhere with that one level is 2.2 million square miles so quite bigger than north carolina the united states land mass is 2.9 million square miles one city new jerusalem is 2.2 million as opposed to the 2.9 million of the entirety of the landmass of the United States. Here's where we go. Being that it's a cube, 1,400 miles up, meaning that there could be levels and there will be levels in the city, in every mile that is a level, we find ourselves, if every mile is, a, is at a level, we find ourselves 157 times larger than the landmass of the world today. You with me? Take this, times that, that's how many square miles is in New Jerusalem if every level is a mile. With me so far? Let's say, let's say it this way. Because I've often said that there's so much room in New Jerusalem that every level can have a sky to itself. So using the 30,000 feet, which is where planes fly, five miles up now we find that we're 30 times bigger than the square miles of the earth large enough to hold a hundred times i don't know why i wrote that i didn't finish that let me go back to my laptop undo no 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 oh here it is London, which none of us like, 
Who wants to live in London? Not me. All right. London is a, you know what I hope? You know, we podcast these. It would be awesome if I had a Londoner listening to this one episode, which I know is impossible because only three people listen to it, and they don't live in London. Here we go. And one's my mother. All right. (laughs) She listens to it twice. London is 140 square miles. Here's what we're trying to say. It has a population of 9 million. When we use that, we illustrate the, the capacity of New Jerusalem. New Jerusalem. How many people can we fit in New Jerusalem? 144 billion population can go into New Jerusalem at the one mile level. At, at, at one level. Okay? Now, 144 billion. Over 40, if we do the, this one, okay, 30 levels, over 40 trillion people can fit in it. So we need to get revival going quickly, get this thing full. I'm telling you, you're, you can't even imagine the numbers of how many people can fit in New Jerusalem. We have lots and lots of room. Now let's talk about the three heavens. Three heavens. The sky, what you see, space, above the sky, and then beyond that. Okay. First of all, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 68, God said, Let there be firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament and the waters which were above. And it was so, and God called the firmament heaven, and an evening and the morning was the second day. The firmament was called heaven. This is the first heaven, the sky. Other translations call it expanse or sky. Genesis uses this word firmament, which before the flood... There was basically a canopy all the way around the earth. Remember, we read the scriptures that before the flood, there was no rain, and the water over the nighttime, there would be a mist, there would be a dew that watered the ground, right? Now, you guys want to get conspiracy theory with me? (laughs) You sure? (laughs) All right. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just asking the question, all right? I'm not saying I'm on one side or the other. But many do believe, some do believe, that the firmament has not been completely removed. Because if it is, then our atmosphere would implode on itself. You with me? Which makes it hard to believe that rockets are flying out there past the firmament. All right, I got one up here. <laughs> I got two. <laughs> I got, all right, I got a couple. There is footage, if you're curious, of these things being shot into space and bouncing off of something. 
And it's the whole thing makes me go, wow. So I'm not talking about satellites. I'm not talking about airplanes. I'm talking about the ones that feel like they can go further than that to what we call the second heaven, which is, by the way, constellations, stars, and so on. So many of you guys are leaning in and say, would he just say it? No, not saying it. I want you to think about it because at the end of the day, There is an opinion that space travel is equivalent to the Tower of Babel. I'm seeing some nodding. That man becomes a little bit too audacious to want to reach God when that was never our intention and that was never his plan. Now, do you know the reason why Mankind and humanity is so bent on space travel? What's the number one reason? Yes. They want to find other life. Why are they wanting to get off of here? To live forever. It's to try to live forever. Because we all recognize that this world is called entropy. The fall of man, as soon as Adam sinned, this world falls apart. Now, I'm not talking about the moon, just so you know. I'm talking about, well, I'm, you know, I might be. But to make some of you guys feel a little less stressed in this moment. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But I'm telling you, it's, it's pretty far out to think that we got any business flying to somewhere else that isn't designed for us anyway. Either God got it right or he didn't. Are you with me? Oh, no, no, no. There's, a, there's, a, there's another world out there that we can inhabit. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to be with Jesus by that time. So, Whatever. But think about it this way. What is the intention? What is the driving factor behind it? And isn't God big enough to know the heart of man and to say, yeah, I'm not going to let that go? Because you know what's above the second heaven? The third heaven, which is both a physical place and a spiritual dimension. Let me, let me put it to you this way. And this is not a stretch in any way, shape, or form. We know that we live in a three-dimensional type awareness, right? But there are, and science has proven, physics has proven that there's way more dimensions than we can recognize. Six, seven, eight, even up to ten dimensions when you go down to um, microbiology, microcellular, all those kinds of things. It gets way smaller. It gets way bigger too, but you know, it's harder to measure how small it gets than it is to measure how big it can get. Did you know that? Every time they get to the smallest atom that they can get, they can go smaller. They're like, what? So the reason why I say all that is right now, if we battle not against flesh and blood, but princes and principalities of the air, what are they in? Another, it's not weird to say it, so go ahead and say it out loud. That means that they're in another dimension, a spiritual 
dimension, which is no less real than where we are right now. I'm in the physical dimension, but there is a spiritual dimension that is right beside of me, around me, all around, all the time. As soon as you walk out of here and you get in your car and you go home and you have a fight with your spouse, <laughs> and there's a spiritual, well, I'm not, I'm not speaking that over any of you guys. Someone else doesn't attend here. They chose not to come to church tonight. Anyway, <laughs> there is a spiritual dimension that is at work. You don't see it, but it doesn't make any less real. Are you with me? Do you agree with that concept? Now, this is why Paul was able to say in Corinthians that he was taken to the third heaven. He may have not had to travel all that far. Because this brings us to the idea of when we travel from place to place in heaven. Right? That God also can supernaturally transport people. Of course he can. He did it for Philip. Jesus did it. Did it for Paul. John saw a vision of revelation, but he felt as if he was there. Ezekiel couldn't even stand. Jeremiah, these prophets were taken into a, a dimension where they recognized something. Let me, let me stretch you a little bit more. Are you with me? You ready? Burning Man. We all know that Burning Man just happened. They all drove out here to the middle of the desert. They're all out there, in essence, opening up spiritual dimensions that nobody's got no business opening up, and yet that's what they're doing. And yet somehow, some way, bad things happen. <laughs> Duh. And I'm looking at it, and if you look, if, lay, over the Labor Day weekend, that was just one of three big events that happened in our nation, different concerts and festivals. The devil is working very, very hard to open up a spiritual dimension in our nation and in the people's hearts that if they are not careful, cannot be closed again. Right? We, as people of faith and power, have to make a choice. Recognize it and fight against it in the spirit. Because the problem is most of us don't even recognize it. We refuse to acknowledge that it's even there. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's not demonic. That's just Hollywood. <laughs> no, no, no. It's demonic. If you're feeling some kind of way when you're watching something, don't ignore it. Turn it off. You with me? If you're reading something, consuming something, walking down a sidewalk, having a conversation with someone, and you sense something, let's get some boldness within us and step out there and do something about it. Amen? Now, heaven. Why are we talking about this? We're supposed to be talking about heaven. It's supposed to be a fun, a fun study. We wrote something down the thing that's jumping out at my, at my mind right now is where I'm going to leave us with on tonight's study. The number one thing, all of it was awesome. I'm going to leave us with this word. Somebody, jump, somebody called it out. Who called it out? You get a bonus tonight. Safety. Who said safety? $20. Somebody give her $20. I speak it into existence. <laughs> Actually, no, you sow a seed of $20, and then, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Andrew, you always, you mess everything up. All right, safety. 
to me, this is one of the things as we're talking about the chaos in our world, the dimensions and the spiritual nature and the battles. To me, this is something that we can lay our head on the pillar tonight and know that someday the devil and all of his demons and all of those that have chosen to side with him will be removed. And we will be in safety. Amen? That is encouraging. And everybody in here that finds ourselves from time to time struggling with temptation, struggling with frustration, struggling with anger, struggling with all these things, there will come a day where the struggle is over and you're in safety. And I would encourage you with this as you go home. Hang in there. Because it's coming. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these precious people. Pray you just help us to lean into this idea and also, God, help us to be honest and just to learn and explore everything that your word has to say. In Jesus' name, amen.